0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Lions fans. Jesse Cass here for the LMU Basketball Podcast here in the Believe Podcast Network on LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? into the show everybody jesse cass here with you for another brand new episode of the lmu basketball podcast here on the believe podcast network thanks so much for tuning us in as always as we get ready for the west coast conference tournament it is upon us as we are here in march and march madness can officially get kicked off and underway here on the believe podcast network so really excited to give you a west coast conference championships preview of course with the lmu lions taking part they're the 8th seed. They'll take on the nine seed. San Diego we will break it all down for you here on this episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast. Before we do all that, I want to let you know if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. We're also available wherever your favorite podcast directories are, whether it's iTunes and Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeart, wherever it may be, we are there. You can also find us at Believe.com. and The social media handle to follow for the Believe Podcast Network is at BelievePodcasts on whatever social media platform you prefer and follow me on twitter at jesse underscore Cass, for any and every lmu basketball update so with all of that said as we mentioned the west coast conference tournament is around the corner starting on thursday night for the men's basketball team the women are also in action on thursday as well but for men's basketball, the eighth seed in the tournament, as we mentioned, taking on the nine seed in San Diego, a team that they played in the very first conference game of the year, and that was it. January 2nd, one matchup in LA. Lions won that game 64-58. to We'll talk a little bit about the matchup and, and how things dry out in terms of the bracket for the Lions and see if they have an opportunity to surprise some people and make a run this week here in Las Vegas. So it should be uh, a really fun time, and, and we have a lot to talk about in this episode. As we mentioned, of course, the tournament, the postseason awards for the conference have been announced, and to get you caught up on the final week of the regular season for the Lions, which led us into this West Coast Conference tournament. So we're not going to waste any time. A lot to talk about here on the Believe Podcast Network. So here we go on the LMU Basketball Podcast. So as we get into it here on the LMU Basketball Podcast, where we last left you, the LMU Lions had just had a successful road trip. They had won two out of three. On the road with a couple of nice wins on the road against Santa Clara and Portland. That led us into this final week of the regular season where the Lions had back to back home games against the Pacific Tigers and the San Francisco Dons. The Lions came up a bit short in both ball games. They fell 60 to 53 against Pacific in what was a back and forth, really close ball game. And then the senior night uh, finale versus San Francisco. Of course, a lot of emotion during the day. The team wearing throwback uniforms to honor the 30-year anniversary of the great 1989-90 team that made it to the Elite Eight. Of course, the unveiling of the Hank Gather statue outside of Gersten Pavilion. So a lot of excitement around the day. Eric Johanson, the lone senior, getting recognized as well. And, you know, just having a lot of the old faces back in the building. Paul Westhead, a lot of the guys from the 1990 team. And as mentioned, wearing those sweet throwback 1990 uniforms. It, it all led to a really exciting day. A lot of people in the building A lot of excitement in the crowd. LMU had a near comeback victory. We're down uh, about nine with a couple of minutes to go in the ballgame. Made a big time run and down two with about seven seconds left. The senior, Eric Johansson comes up with a steal and then gets an open look for three to win the game just off the mark. And uh, a, a tough finish in what would have been really a storybook ending for Eric Johansson as a senior in his final game in Gerson Pavilion. Of course, he still has games to play in the conference tournament. When, But when you're talking about your last home game, I don't know if you could write it up any better than that. Unfortunately for Eric and the Lions, the shot was just a hair long. And LMU ended up falling 69-67. to 67. So a couple of tough losses. But for this Lions team, which has been so resilient this year, obviously record-wise a little bit of a down year when you look at 10-20. and 20, But when you take into account all the injuries all the adversity the team has had to face. They have never really wavered in their effort uh, and the way that they played on the floor. They've been competitive and consistent throughout the year, and we've seen them improve, especially in the back half of the season where we mentioned those two wins on the road recently, a lot of close games against good opponents. So I don't think they have any shortage of confidence going into the West Coast Conference Tournament. They will be the eight seed in the tournament, as we said. And granted, anytime you're the eight seed, you're 10-20, you're not going to be favored in a lot of games in the conference tournament, but... I don't think the bracket could have really shaped out any better for them. Now, they're going to have to win tough games regardless. As we said, they're not going to be favored in a lot of these ball games. But when you look at their side of the bracket, I think this is going to be a Lions team that will be confident that they can not only win one game but potentially two or three and, and make a real run in this conference tournament with the way the bracket is uh, has shaken out for the Lions. And as we said, that's no discredit or disrespect to any other team or anyone that they would face. But when you look at this conference tournament – You want to avoid the heavy hitters as long as possible. And that always is Gonzaga, BYU, and St. Mary's. And we've seen it in past years in the conference tournament. Those teams can be beat, but the longer that you can wait to face those teams, the better. And the Lions are on the side of the bracket with Gonzaga, which is obviously the biggest roadblock possible in the conference. But you look at where they are situated before that, they have games that, you know, as someone who has watched this team, Everyone around them, I'm sure, feels the same. They can win not one, not two, but maybe three ball games in the conference tournament. Then, and then, once you get there, when momentum's rolling, you never know what can happen, especially in March and this type of tournament. We've seen it as recently as last year. Pepperdine, who had a rough regular season, rattled off a couple wins, including one against a very good Lions team a year ago. Uh, San Diego made a big run and earned themselves a trip to the NIT, where they blew out BYU in the conference tournament. And St. Mary's, who granted is always near the top of the conference was able to win the conference tournament and take down Gonzaga so anything is possible in the conference tournament in March but for the Lions we mentioned the bracket shaped out pretty nicely for them let's take you through what they'll have to deal with going through this conference tournament now it's going to be a one game at a time type of scenario because if you lose one you're automatically out you're gone as the Lions and any team the WCC knows this is how it goes around March but they will play in the eight versus nine matchup on Thursday night it's a 6 p.m. game I'll be on the call for you there on KXLU taking on San Diego as we mentioned a team they played just once in the regular season the very first game in conference play and one that the Lions played very cleanly and what what I mean by that is they took care of the basketball probably as well as they have in any game all year long they had just three turnovers in the matchup against San Diego and despite shooting just 40% from the field Three of 22 from the three-point line. LMU was successful in taking care of the basketballs we mentioned, and getting to the free-throw line and making their free-throws. They were 15 of 19 from the free-throw line in that ballgame. Rebounding battle was pretty even. It was really the turnovers, 11 turnovers for San Diego. They also shot around a similar percentage, 42%. They were 8 of 28, 29% from downtown, but the 11 turnovers to three was really the main difference in a six-point ballgame. San Diego also only got to the free throw line six times compared to 19 for the Lions. And that's really the contrast in style between these two ball clubs. They both like to slow the pace a little bit, initiate their offense in the half court, take their time and get good looks. The difference between the two, the Lions love to pound the paint and score a lot inside. And San Diego is going to be a little bit more perimeter oriented. So for the Lions, there will be those opportunities like there were in that first matchup to get to the free throw line. So. That's been kind of the the Jekyll and Hyde thing of this Lions team this year. They've had a lot of games this season where they've won that they've shot tremendously from the free throw line, around 80%, like they did in that first matchup. And they've had others where they've really struggled from the free throw line. So free throws will be imperative. Taking care of the basketball will be imperative. And on the other end for the Lions, guarding the three-point line will be really important. We mentioned they did a great job of it in the first matchup. So we'll see what happens in the upcoming one. But in that first matchup, it was really a, uh, an interesting spread for the Lions offensively. Eli Scott still did his usual little bit of everything, seven points, six rebounds, five assists, but he only took six shot attempts. He was three of six, only had one free throw attempt. It wasn't his most involved game offensively, but the Lions were able to win despite of that. They had 13 points from Jordan Bell, 12 points from Parker Dorch, 10 from Ivan Lipiev, 9 from Jonathan Dosanjos, and those seven from Eli Scott so it was a balanced scoring effort and one where the Lions got a little bit from everyone and I think when you look forward to this upcoming matchup I think you're going to expect a lot more from a motivated Eli Scott who we'll get to in a moment he was not happy with not making the first team all WCC he was a second team selection so we'll get into that in in a a little bit later in the show as well but a motivated and hungry Eli Scott we've also seen Kelly Lea Pepe take that big leap since then in that first matchup, Leia Pepe did play 17 minutes, but had only four shot attempts, scored just four points. So he obviously is much more involved and confident in his offensive game now. So I think you'll see those two players have much more of an impact offensively for the Lions. And then Jordan Bell, while he did lead the team in scoring in that ball game, he has improved and progressed throughout the season. He had 13 points, of course, in that first matchup. As we mentioned, he's coming off a career high 25 points. In the game against San Francisco to close out the regular season, so with all of those factors, and then you throw in Eric Johansson, who was one of seven from the field, oh of six from downtown against San Diego in the first matchup. That's clearly a little bit of an of an anomaly for him. We know that his outside shooting could be a big factor as well. So you look at all those measures. We mentioned the lines didn't shoot it tremendously well in that first meeting, uh, and they were still able to come away with the victory. So I think if they can take care of the basketball, hit their free throws and then get the kind of production that we're used to seeing from Eli Scott, from Kelly Lea Pepe, from Eric Johansson, on top of everything we already saw from Jordan Bell, Ivana Lipia, Parker Dorch, etc. Uh, I think this Lions team is poised to to come away with another victory. Now, of course, conference tournament play, both teams are going to you know, be at their most heightened. They're going to be playing hard. It's never easy to get a win. San Diego, of course, uh, kept it close in the first matchup. They have talent as well, and they have players who didn't necessarily play their best ball game in the first matchup either, so I'm sure on their end, they feel the same way. Joey Calcaterra had 14 points at four three-pointers in the first meeting, but outside of that, their usual suspects weren't quite as on as normal. Braun Hartfield had 10 points. He averages around 13.5 on the year. Uh, he was pretty quiet. Those 10 uh, came a little bit later and were not as instrumental in the ball game. so Hartfield will likely be looking to make more of an imprint. And Finn Sullivan, who was scoreless in the first meeting between the two ball clubs, has had some big ball games in conference since that meeting against LMU. So he could be much more of a factor as well. So it'll be a chess match between Mike Dunlap, Sam Scholl, the head coaches for the ball clubs, and, and really it'll come down to execution on the court for both ball clubs. I think this Lions team, as we said, is poised to, to come out with a strong effort. And if they are able to win, then it's a game-by-game game thing, night-by-night night thing. Uh, we mentioned the how the bracket shakes out for the Lions. If they're able to advance, they take on the number five seed, San Francisco, on Friday. LMU has had two very close games against San Francisco. They've come up short in both, but a lot of experience. They just played them this past week and nearly had that victory. So they have that familiarity with that matchup and probably a lot of confidence that they can take that team down in, in what were two really close ball games. And then if they're able to win that Saturday, they take on... Pacific another team that they just saw in a very close ball game two close losses again there so we know the Lions have come up short in both of those matchups against both of those teams so as we said they would certainly be the underdog in those matchups but for themselves and their own confidence I think they would have that knowing they can compete with those teams at a high level and no matter who the opponent is every year we see that type of thing it's always hard to beat a team three times in a row so the Lions would have that kind of in their back pocket, that confidence and knowing that they can play Lewis being the underdog team in a lot of these matchups. So that's always something to consider and look for during March. So if the Lions were able to win on three consecutive nights, they would have an off night on Sunday with no games being played on Sunday. They would continue on March 9th, and that's when they would run into the number one seed, Gonzaga Bulldogs, on a Monday night semifinal. And if they're able to pull out the giant upset there, then they would play in the championship game against whoever comes out of the other side of the bracket, which includes Santa Clara, Portland, Pepperdine, St. Mary's, and BYU. So BYU, of course, already in that semifinal, just like Gonzaga is with essentially a a triple bye into the semis. So it's a long road for the Lions. They'll have to win three consecutive nights to get to Monday night, but I think they are confident and capable of doing it, despite What has been record wise a a subpar regular season, but if you have been close to this team and watching them, know it's a young team that has overcome injuries and that has really developed a lot of their younger players. And we've talked about it with Kelly Lea Pepe, same thing with Sigus Soho Jawara, Jonathan Dos A lot of these young guys getting more confidence as the season has gone on. So I think that they will come out with strong efforts and hopefully give themselves a long run in the West Coast Conference Tournament. So we said once you get momentum rolling and have things going your way in March, anything can happen, and that's why it's March Madness. So uh, we will be keeping you up to date no matter what happens here in the LME Basketball Podcast. As I mentioned, I'll be there in Vegas covering the tournament for the team and announcing the ball game. So we will keep you updated with little mini-pods regardless of win or loss after each ball game throughout the West Coast Conference Tournament. Uh, before giving whatever wrap up the following week after that but we'll be keeping you very updated here on the Bleed podcast network on the lmu lions and their quest to try to make some noise in the west coast conference tournament and and see if they can shock some people uh, in vegas as well so it should be really fun as the lions prepare themselves for for the conference tournament we mentioned a lot of other things going on a lo- around the lmu basketball team of course We talked about the Hank Gathers statue that was unveiled as we record this podcast here on March 4th. It's the 30-year anniversary of the day that Hank Gathers tragically collapsed on the court in Gerson Pavilion and and passed away, which led to the miraculous Elite Eight run for that Lions team. But Hank Gathers forever in the hearts of, of Lions fans and basketball fans around the world. As we mentioned, it was really a great thing for LMU to honor him with a statue that will live outside Gerston Pavilion forever and of course Gerston itself long known and forever forever will be known as Hank's house so wanted to take that quick moment to recognize Hank Gathers and everything that he has meant and continues to mean to Loyola Marymount and the program as a whole so uh, we always remember and think about Hank around this time of the year so Lions Nation out there obviously show your love and support for the gathers family and and everyone involved around that with hank gathers despite it being 30 years ago still feels so raw and fresh whenever you're around loyal marymount university and now even more so as he said with the statue uh, to commemorate and memorialize hank just standing right outside hank's house in gerston pavilion so we'll switch gears a little bit uh go back to some of the west coast conference talk that we we're talking about of course already broke down a little bit of the tournament and the scenario for the lions but at the end of the year, in the regular season that is, there's always the end of year awards for the West Coast Conference, so I'm gonna rattle rattle them off here for you. Really quick, player of the year in the West Coast Conference, Philip Petrusev for Gonzaga. Coach of the year, Damon Stoudemire, after a very nice job with Pacific. 23 wins and 11 in conference, and a tie for third and fourth with St. Mary's. They, Pacific ends as the four seed, uh, and Damon Stoudemire gets coach of the year. And Pacific gets more recognition with the defensive player of the year, and that's Jaleel Tripp, the senior out of Brooklyn, New York, who played at the same high school as Stephon Marbury, Sebastian Telfair, and Lance Stevenson. Tripp, who made the trip over to Pacific a a couple years ago, has been a really fantastic player all around. Has a a similar game, honestly, to Eli Scott, uh, and he has made a big impact with the Tigers. He's the defensive player of the year, really active with his hands, both steals and blocks. He's done a nice job. He's the defensive player of the year. And the newcomer of the year, Jake Toulson, the transfer from Utah Valley, came over with his head coach, Mark Pope, who, of course, just took over for BYU. And Toulson, averaging 15 points per ballgame, great three-point shooter, gets newcomer of the year in conference. And then that leads us into both the first team and the second team and freshman, everything else that was honored uh, for the first team, some uh, controversy and hard feelings for Eli Scott in particular. He was left off the first team, uh, which included Yoli Childs from BYU, Malik Fitz and Jordan Ford from St. Mary's. TJ Haas and Jake Toulson also from BYU in there. Corey Kispert, Philip Petrusev, and Killian Tilly from Gonzaga. Jaleel Tripp from Pacific and Colby Ross from Pepperdine. The 10 selected for the all West Coast Conference first team. Eli Scott headlining the second team joined by the Edwards brothers from Pepperdine, Kessler, and Cameron, Charles Midland from San Francisco, and Yosef Frankich from St. Mary's. Uh, Kelly Lea Pepe was honored as a freshman team selection for the Lions as well. So Lea Pepe and Scott each getting recognized, but as we mentioned, Eli Scott not happy with the selection to the second team rather than the first, and both teams voted for by the coaches of the West Coast Conference. Eli Scott tweeting out, me being second team all-conference is very disrespectful, but it's motivation. They're going to feel me next season. So already instantly reacting to that, as we said, not happy about the selection. Felt like he's a first-team performer, and hard to really argue with Eli Scott in what he's put together this season for the Lions. He's led the team in points, rebounds, and assists and steals all year long and has been the driving force of this team. And granted, a team that's 10-20, and and that's certainly... Played a role in the coaches' minds, I'm sure, of wanting to reward winning and picking the players from the winning teams to make it to the all first team. But Eli Scott had such a fantastic year. And we talked about it here a couple times on this podcast about how we felt he should be a first team performer with the way that he's performing all year. The full stats on Eli Scott 15 and a half points, six and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, and over a steal per ball game, and being the true leader for a Lions team that. As mentioned, granted, struggled a little bit in conference, 4-12 and 12 in conference play, but Eli Scott not only playing every single game this year, playing heavy minutes as well, averaging nearly 35 minutes per ball game, so playing virtually the entire game, every game, all season long, and carrying the team in so many instances where you can clearly tell that he's the best player on the court a lot whenever they're playing, no matter who they're playing, and obviously that can vary depending on the opponent, but his presence on the court is always going to be felt. And no disrespect to anyone else on the list who made it on the first team, but there are certainly some names there that you feel like if you put Eli Scott against them, up against them one-on-one, you would want Eli in that situation. And you're going to reward the, the top teams. We know that Gonzaga, BYU, St. Mary's, those guys really deserve it. But we saw as soon as last year Pepperdine was awful as a team record wise, and Colby Ross still made it on the first team. Now, Ross, of course, the selection again this year, very deserving, very good player, but in a similar circumstance, record wise, not the best year for the Lions, but Eli Scott's numbers and contributions, astronomical, and uh, one that certainly deserves to be recognized. As we said, he feels like he's going to use it for extra motivation, so if that takes him to even an- another level, maybe it's a positive for the Lions, but there are just certain players on the list where, you know, Killian Tilly, a very talented, great player for Gonzaga, missed nine games this year, was in and out of conference, and a lot of it due to circumstance with the team that he's on with a lot of talent, but some games would look amazing. Other games would simply disappear and not be there, and he has good numbers on this year. He's a very good player, but potentially someone that feels like maybe more of a second-team selection or you could slide Eli Scott into that conversation as well, uh, you know, up and down the list that you, you can make the case... For really anyone, but uh, as we said, it, it's always tough to make those decisions. But watching Eli Scott on a, a daily basis, seeing him practice, seeing him play, and really being the focal point of other teams' defenses, where you can kind of make the flip side of that argument, where oh, the Lions haven't won as much. You can't reward Scott for that, or you look at what he has to face night in, night out defensively, double teams all the time, defensive schemes that are directly focused on him a hundred percent where he's getting the full look from everyone and he's still able to produce big numbers so with all of that known I think it makes it even more impressive the numbers that he's putting up and what he's been able to do this season so I'm with Eli I hopefully as I said he can not only use it for motivation next year as he mentioned but we still got some games to play this year for LMU and the West Coast Conference Tournament so what better way to maybe show some doubters that they were wrong by coming out with a giant performance in the West Coast Conference Tournament. So hopefully Eli can do that. But congratulations are still in order for him making second team and to Kelly Lea Pepe for earning a spot on the all-WCC freshman team. We mentioned in the past few weeks how much Kelly Lea Pepe has really surged for this Lions team. So that honor well-deserved as well. So the postseason awards ultimately don't mean much, but it is a validation of what these players do. So congrats to those guys and Hopefully, as we said for Eli, we'll see him on the first team next year on a a team that should be uh, much more stacked with a lot of guys coming back from injury, but there's still, as we mentioned, things to be done this season for this Lions team, and hopefully Eli and the Lions can put something together in this conference tournament, which kicks off Thursday against San Diego in the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. Should be a lot of fun. As we said, you can tune me in for that, Uh, and we should have a good old time in Vegas. Hopefully the Lions can go game by game. We mentioned we'll keep you up to date regardless of outcome here on the Bleed Podcast Network. So be sure to stay locked in, subscribed here on the Bleed Podcast Network. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in once again. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. Also follow us wherever podcasts are available and along at Believe.com for anything you need on the Believe Podcast Network. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Jesse underscore cast. As mentioned previously, I'll be announcing both the men and women's games for LMU basketball on KXLU 88.9 FM, as well as tune in radio. So I'll be there for you all tournament long covering things in Las Vegas. Uh, be sure to follow along with me for any and every update as the tournament continues and be sure to follow, as we mentioned this podcast, we will be keeping you updated on the West coast conference tournament and in anything that develops from there. So Thanks again so much for tuning in here on the Bleed Podcast Network. This is LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Lions.